In this podcast, Pamela Barty, a Forbes 30 under 30 entrepreneur and developer of a $100 million real estate empire, will share her inspiring underdog comeback story. And along with those of her guests, she'll share how you too, as an underdog, can rise up and succeed against all odds. Here's your host, Pamela Barty. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Underdog. Today, I have an incredible guest here with me, Morgana. I mean, financial alchemist. There is all kinds of amazing things that Morgana's up to, and I'm so honored to have her here today. Welcome. Thank you for having me. And can I just start by saying I love the name of your show because for everybody who got what they wanted really quickly and easily, I'm not that person. <laughs> so yeah, I, I identify and I champion the underdog. That's what really attracted me to your show. Thank you so much for being here. I mean, underdog, we're, we've all faced challenges in our lives, right? We've always been the underdog at one point or another. So I always say there's an underdog in all of us. So here we are. And I think we learn more that way. I'm of the philosophy that success without failure is luck. And it's hard to systematically reproduce it. But, you know, like Thomas Edison, if you fail a thousand times, you know, a thousand things that don't work. So you don't have to do them again. And then you really learn what works for you. Absolutely. 100% agree. 100% agree. And I always say, you know, there's, there's always a rainbow after the storm, right? The rain needs to happen mm -hmm. for that to come. So we live in, in a world of duality, right? Yes. <laughs> So Morgana, my first question to you is what inspired you on your incredible journey to where you are today? Oh, we're going to go way back. <laughs> I was the child who made the grownups feel better about themselves, which is probably not the healthiest dynamic, but I always had that talent for seeing who somebody really is. And I grew up in a very chaotic environment. So I think that also really for any of you who have that background, there are gifts, like you really learn to recognize things before other people do, maybe micro signals, your intuition really develops. And for me, I was really, really early on questioning things like, what are we as human beings? What, what are we? And what is this universe we live in? And how do we have a better experience? So I ran away to college on the East Coast from Los Angeles and got my super practical degree in world religion, right? <laughs> because I really wanted to understand what people believe about the nature of existence in humanity and how to have a better experience. And I wanted to understand other people because mm. we have this huge planet of, you know, different ideas and people going to war over ideas. And I wanted to know where did these ideas come from that we hold as so true today and how I got to where I am now is sort of the natural outgrowth of just where my attention and talents have always gone is I ultimately became a coach. And right out the bat, I was getting a lot of clients, especially here in Los Angeles. I started with entertainment industry clients with actors and writers and producers and directors who in a few weeks, I just had sort of a magical touch and people would 
book without credits would book big series and movies or sell their films or win awards. So I got a great reputation. I got, you know, success stories and I still didn't feel comfortable charging. It was more like, you know, a hobby. I just feel happiest. I feel most like myself when I'm helping other people. But I was thinking, I wonder if I could make money at this. He just sold, you know, his film for a million dollars and first film. And at the time that was a lot of money about 30 years ago. And so I started taking classes on and just getting certifications, taking classes on marketing, really being good at that, taking classes on sales. And meanwhile, vision boards, mantras, positive thinking, business cards, taglines, everything, drum roll. And I was making, and not easily, I was struggling to make $100 a month in Los Angeles. So right? Impressed. That's the reaction I wanted. Oh my God, how frightening and despairing. And I kept, so I was deficit spending, borrowing credit cards, taking more classes, hiring more coaches, spending more money, doing everything I was told to do. And I still wasn't making more money. I was taking great classes. I had a wonderful coach that will actually become really important in a couple of minutes. And Nothing. And every program makes a promise. Do this. Grow your email list. You know, learn to write headlines. Take this class on sales and overcome objections. And by the way, that was the class that broke the camel's back. That I took a class on how to overcome sales objections. And I'm actually talking about how I ended up with this money niche. Just flat out, it's never what I envisioned. It isn't what I aspired to. It's what I backed into through my own spectacular failure, where I was getting better results than other coaches, but they were charging and I was failing. So for anybody who didn't figure it out, I I have the capacity to feel superior and inferior simultaneously. So I just taken this class on overcoming sales objections where they teach you, like if somebody says I can't afford it or I don't have time, they, they teach you what to say. And I was such a good student that I followed the script and seven people in a row, I overcame their objections and they said, yes. And seven people in a row did not show up for our first session and never paid me. And that was it. That was when I lost it. I just ran out of hope. You know, every class, I thought this is the holy grail. This is what will make me able to charge. Oh, if I learn relationship coaching, That'll do it. I already have my, you know, certification in coactive coaching, business coaching. I will become a master of neuro-linguistic programming and a trainer and a hypnosis. And then I'll be able to charge and nothing changed. So I take this class in sales and still nothing changes. And I just, I had tried everything, everything. And I was, you know, the kind of person to tell me to do it and I would do it. And I just, I despaired. I remember after that last time being stood up, I was in a little tiny apartment that even that I couldn't afford, dragging clothes, the blackout curtains, crypting out my little bedroom, getting on the bed, lying down and screaming, screaming, crying, wailing, feeling so tricked and betrayed and rejected by life and not liking life back and really not wanting to be here. And the thing about money is money affects everything, like 
all your relationships, life purpose, health, survival, spirituality, like anything you can think of, nothing is separate. Nothing. It's like, like some monster that has its fingers and everything. And you can't move forward. I like to say that the universe gets our attention primarily through three teachers, which are money, love, and health. And we can go a really, really, really long time without like our soulmate. Uh, we can go really, really long time with high cholesterol, not very long with the toothache. Mm-hmm. Money gets your attention immediately, like nothing. So if money is your teacher, in a way, congratulations, because nothing motivates change more dramatically because it is such a matter of life and death. So I was in this horrible, despairing place, a really dangerous place to be. And I had a session with my coach the next day, right? I can't pay rent, but I still managed to have a coach. Thank God. Thank God. Because this wonderful guy who had been trying to figure out what was going to work for me for months heard me in such discouragement, such despair. And he had this moment of weird who knows where it came from inspired question that changed my life. So this is where you want to lean in. The question he asked was, if your money was a person, who would your money be? Weird question. And I saw my money person instantly, which is unusual because I'm a terrible visualizer. But I think because I was in so much pain, it was just ready to pop up. And money, and I never knew I felt this way, but money, my money in that moment was this big, scary, dirty, violent biker who caused fights and terrified me. And I hear the words, money is scary, dirty, violent, terrifying. I had no idea that I felt that way until it became personal. Because money, you know, we talk about money really is just this made up abstract concept that we use to keep score. It's bloodless. And I always choose between a choice between money and people. I choose people because people are real. We can go down a list of negative money beliefs and what positive beliefs to replace them with. We can do that for hours and hours and hours and nothing's going to change because that's an intellectual exercise. And that isn't where our beliefs and motivation and behavior come from. That is below the surface. That is subconscious. So consciously I'm doing all the right stuff, but subconsciously I was terrified of this dude. And I could imagine myself in that moment being at a live event and having my eye on him all the time to create maximum distance. And that was my light bulb moment that no matter how much I was pursuing it 24 seven, I was below the surface, pushing it away as if my survival depended on it. So it was obvious to me that there was no way that my financial situation was going to change or that I could have money in my life if it was that dude. I didn't even use the word dude. I just do for this guy, even being from California. So I knew I had to end that relationship because I couldn't survive with it. There was no way that I could have money if it was this person. So I had to get rid of the biker, which created a new problem. Because first of all, it was really weird when I got rid of him. It was like, whoa, I didn't realize that I had been with him my whole life. And I could feel this vacuum, this empty space, which made me realize I need to fill the space before he comes back. And that created a new problem because my relationship with money, my experience of money 
was so heavy with guilt and shame and feeling hurt and feeling rejected and and just all the feelings you don't want to feel. It was like I had been in an abusive relationship and I did not want to get into that again. Like anybody who's ever been in a bad relationship that you got out of that becomes a super useful life skill in this moment. So I didn't want to repeat what I had been through because it was soul crushing. So I thought to myself, okay, well, who could I have a relationship with? And I would want this person so much that I'd be willing to have a relationship with this person, even if it's money. And I think because I had been in so much pain and the monster was so terrible and really, you know, I can look back and go, oh, from a neurolinguistic programming perspective, all my neurology was lit up because it was a full body, full emotional experience, which really allows us to rewire our brain. So in that moment, when I asked that question, I saw the new person and this person was the total polar opposite. This person was handsome and romantic and loving kind of delicious, clean cut, very safe, kind of hair slicked back, wearing a tuxedo, carrying a bouquet of red flowers as if he was going to take me to the theater, right? And the biggest surprise was the overwhelming sense that he was in love with me, which is not a feeling or an idea that I ever had regarding money, ever. And I thought to myself, wow, that's really weird. He wanted to woo me. I also had a feeling of how much I'd been breaking his heart for years by pushing him away. This is actually a really important point that I'll get back to when I walk you through the six steps, but because I'm thinking of it now, I don't want to miss it, is one of the hallmarks of this new relationship is that you have a lot of power. When you're with the monster, the whole purpose of the monster is to strip you of all your power, all your choice, all your agency, all your will to live. In this new relationship, you are the gatekeeper. You have the power to break your partner's heart. I find a romantic partner tends to be the most effective, but I also understand from coaching thousands of people that, you know, some of us have had such trauma, emotional trauma, relational trauma, sexual abuse, any of that. And if you can't go there with a romantic archetype your first time out, that's totally fine. And this can work for you anyway. I do find overall that it, first of all, has to be human. Can't be a cat (laughs) or a dog or a horse or a car or a boat or a dog, all of which clients have brought up, you know, when I, early on, when I started applying this to other people. So I, that didn't work. Person really lovable, a person who is equal to you, not Oprah, not God, because they're way up here. What I love about a, a lover is a lover is your equal. And your lover looks at you through these like rose colored, wow, I see who you really are. And it's a way of loving ourselves and seeing ourselves through the eyes of the beloved. So whoever your money, honey ends up being, there has to be that looking at you through the eyes of love. And this person chooses you over anybody else in the world. So I digress. I've already like jumped into like teaching instead of telling my story. So cute guy. I can feel how much I've been hurting him. I don't want to. And I had this sense of, wow, I'm the gatekeeper. 
and he wants to stay with me, but it's really up to me. And I don't know how to let him stay with me. So I asked, which is, you know, the great thing about when, when it becomes a person, the way our brain operates is if you ask a question, you get the answer back. And if it's coming from a super duper loving source, you get really good information back. So, because it's not coming from like your neuroses and anxieties and, you know, it's coming from like your highest, wisest source. So I asked my money, honey, what do you need from me so you can stay with me? Which by the way, is a very, very different question than what do you need from me so you can love me? And I say that because every now and then it comes back to me that somebody heard it. What do you need from me so you can love me? The love is unconditional. The love is there. This is a person who chooses you over everybody else in the world. So the love is there. You don't have to do anything for that. But to let the person be with you, yeah, you do. Because if you're going to push him away, he's going to go, oh, okay. I respect, I respect you want to, you want space. Okay, got it. Or she or they, you know, pick the pronoun of your choice. Mine is a guy. So I, I just default to that. Apologies for anybody I'm excluding. Just substitute what works for you. So I asked the question, what do you need from me so you can stay with me? With the presupposition that this person really wants to stay with me. And I got an answer back. And so my first time and everybody, you're going to get, you're going to get your own answer because it's your own relationship. Mine, this first time said, I need you to love me. And I need you to stop treating me like a monster. And I feel I have to address the elephant in the room. The love of money is the root of all evil. Two things. I have a girlfriend, another coach in the British Isles who took a class in ancient Aramaic, which is the actual language that the Old Testament was originally written in before mm -hmm. translations into Greek and Hebrew and English. And what it said in the original language was not that at all. It said, the worship of money will cause you problems. And I would say, hell yeah, <laughs> hell yeah. And it should. Don't put money over people. That's why I make money a person so that it can be a person who shares my values, wants to save the world with me and is a partner, but not God, right? right. So yeah, worshiping money is going to cause you problems. We see that every, every day. That's not love. Right. Love is never evil because love is not harm. Right. Love is not exploitation. Love is not envy or covetousness. Love is not scarcity. Love is not abuse. None of that is love. And sometimes people call those things love. It's not. Love is abundant and generous and expansive and kind. Love is when you are your best self, when you love yourself and your cup floweth over to be kind and generous with the world. Mm -hmm. And so when I'm saying, when my money says he wants me to love him, he wants me to love him as a person, not as a thing or an object or a tool, but as a partner who loves me and is worthy of trust and conversation and kindness. I just love everything that you've met. Like your story from beginning until now is just mind blowing, Morgana. And I'm so sorry, but I'm like, I have to interject here because it's, it's just so, it's so powerful. Any, anyone who's listening right now, I mean, it's just, 
Wow. So from a young kid, you were asking all these questions, like what is the universe and what is all these things? And I love that you studied the world religion because I I always ask this question of what did you want to be when you grew up? And what you're doing right now is in direct correlation for what you wanted to be when you grew up, because you were asking those questions. I wanted to be Emma Peel. (laughs) (laughs) That's what I wanted to be. It's just incredible. And I love that you went for world religion because actually one of the courses that I loved in college was one that compared every single religion together. And what you start to see is that we are unified. Everybody is talking about the same thing just in their own different perspective. So why are we fighting, right? Why are all these world problems happening? I just, there's so many things that you mentioned that is just unreal. And I appreciate you sharing your story about, you know, how that, how this did affect you. This image of money how it did affect you because I feel like I've been on the same boat similarly, you know? Yeah. People who are healers, people who are helpers, people who are artists, money tends to be a lower value for us. Yeah. And I have a friend who talks about niching, Tad Hargrave of Marketing for Hippies, super cool guy, if you want to interview him sometime. And what I love that he, he distinguishes between niches for artists and healers versus niches for entrepreneurs. Entrepreneurial people take a look at an opportunity to make money. People who have gifts want to give their gift and then they have to figure out how to make money from it, which is a very, very different approach. So, and so it's harder for us do-gooders and healers and artist types, but it's also necessary. So it's a spiritual challenge because we will never be comfortable or really truly successful without integrity in the equation. So we have to find a really, truly loving, kind, just place to be able to prosper where we don't feel like we are taking anything from somebody or hurting anybody. And that's why this approach worked for me when everything else didn't. I'm like a law of attraction failure. And yet people who dig law of attraction do very, very well with this process. And I'll finish my story. We're almost at the end. And then I can actually talk about the difference and the similarities. So the final step was I made an agreement. What I would do differently next time my money, honey, because the way he would woo me was to bring me gifts, which would look like people who wanted to hire me. And for years, I was like, ooh, (laughs) like I wanted the client. But when they'd ask me what I charged, I would be all like, you know, shamed and guilty as if I am embarrassed by this ugly monster money, you know, so I didn't want to do that anymore. So I made an agreement that next time he brought me a gift, I would say thank you. And so here's the punchline. The next day, four people contacted me and hired me at double what I'd ever charged before in my life. Because when they would ask me what I charged, everything in my body wanted to vomit at them. Do you want a sample session? Every Everything that I would unconsciously do to avoid accepting money. I had all those impulses, but I was like, oh, that's, I promised I would say thank you. And I would be loving and kind and appreciative of this cute guy that I'm calling money. So I'm not going to do that, but I can feel, I can feel it rising up in my throat. So I did the world's most difficult thing, which is I shut up. (laughs) I just told them my fee and I let, and then they said yes, which was weird. And then I had to like tell them how I would receive money. And I really want to be transparent here that it was really, really uncomfortable the first time. 
it was a little less uncomfortable the second time. I felt like, okay, I know what to do the third time. And I was better the fourth time. And people just kept coming and coming that. So after a few months, I had waiting lists and I was starting group programs and public speaking. And and I've made millions of dollars since then through products and programs and retreats and and coaching and, and just, you know, helping and getting better at helping to where it would get that the price point that I had would feel really out of integrity. Not just to me, strangers would email me telling me I was charging too little in case I wasn't listening, right? I wasn't (laughs) listening to my money, honey. I wasn't, you know, strangers would email me saying, I don't believe it's hard for me to believe your success stories when you charge so little, like getting, and I had this moment in, I think it was 2007, where my income was drying up and people were no longer hiring me. And I, so what do I do? I spent $6,000 that I didn't have, flew across the country, took another class, a horrible class that I got nothing out of. But I was sharing a cab back to the airport and the woman who had been in the class with me and saw that I was getting emails from clients, like one of them in Florida had just made his first million. And I'm getting these emails coming in from clients the whole time. And she said, you know, for what you do, you can't charge less than $1,000. And I was like, oh, okay. So I raised my price and made $20,000 that month because I became more attractive when I charged more because it was in integrity. It was aligned. And then when that became too small, it just went up and it just went up. And I just, you know, I feel it into my body. And I just know if I feel this sinking self-betrayal, it's like, oh, damn, I have to grow again. And another, and I'm going on a total side tangent just because I think it's useful to people is here's the thing is when I raise my fee and when I'm saying I am including you, when you raise your fee, I come from such a place of fear of ripping somebody off that I have to make whatever I do that much better. That anxiety, that adrenaline makes me perform at a higher level. That whatever I charge, I have to know that my clients are going to make multiples back. Mm -hmm. And that becomes scarier the higher my fee, but it makes me better. You really have to come from that place of integrity, that willingness to stretch You know, I'm not teaching charge a lot of money just for the heck of it to impress your friends or your peers. I'm also not saying charge what you're worth because you are like this unique entity that we will never, ever, ever see again. So there is no price tag on your worth. We are looking at the value of the transformation that you offer, whatever that is. And sometimes I have to imagine my process is her own person. (laughs) And I don't want to, I don't want to disrespect her because she'll kick my ass. So (laughs) she's really badass. Very, very different than my money, honey. She's like, she's female, long, black, straight hair and a ponytail, sort of, you know, leather at bodysuit, you know. (laughs) I love it. So I usually don't share that, but it just came to me. Can I walk you through the steps? Yes. I was going to ask you, you know, for you to recognize where your image of money was, right? Because I can't, especially women, we all have this problem and we all have this like block within us. Is it, oh, I don't know. You don't have to pay me. Like, it's okay. Like, oh, it's fine. Um, You can just, you know, or they charge half of what they're supposed to, or like a 10th of what they're supposed to. And I see this pattern in women 
all the time. And I, I myself, am working on this more and more. <laughs> we are, we women, we are people pleasers for a reason. Mm-hmm. Our survival depends on it. We all know that if we are rude or even kindly say no to the wrong person, we could be dead. Right. We know that we, because it's in the news every day. So I want to give a lot of respect and compassion to this very functional, adaptable tendency that we have to be people pleasers. And it's not appropriate in this context. And by the way, we may get pushback. We may get resentment, especially from other people who haven't made the journey yet to really respect themselves and their work. People with fuzzy boundaries find it very painful to respect the boundaries of others. And yet what you're doing when you love yourself and you respect yourself and you charge the highest fee that is in integrity and serves your clients, because in my experience, when you charge a certain fee that is uncomfortable enough, the people who show up are more inspired to make it work because maybe they went through such lengths to be there that they literally can't afford to have it not work because your partners, you can't, I can't do, I can't wave my hands and change your DNA because if, because I know there are people who claim to do that. That's nonsense. But I know how to guide somebody through the battle to slay their money monster and really connect with their money, honey, so that they can do it after I'm gone and they don't have to be dependent on me. That's part of being a woman. But if we look at goddess archetypes, we have Durga, the warrior goddess in India, Kali, the warrior goddess, you know, death of ignorance goddess. We've got Hecate and we've got... We have Athena, the goddess of wisdom and war. So we have this capacity for ferociousness in us, which becomes really handy when we choose ourselves over the monster. I'm going to walk you through the steps. So after I had my transformation, I got all these clients and because they were human beings, they had money issues. And I was like, oh, I have this new tool. Let's try it on you. And it didn't work. And I was like, Why isn't it working on you? And I had to, this was 20 years ago. I had to figure out what really happened spontaneously for me that I needed to make sure happened for other people to make it work. Mm. Fortunately, nobody was hiring me for that specifically, but I had, you know, people to try it out on and figure it out and perfect it with. And that's why, like in the early days, somebody's money, honey, was a cat. It was like, great. No. (laughs) No, cats don't know anything about money. So I actually even shot a video holding a cat talking about that once. So number one, and this is the biggest piece, like nothing works without the steps before it. So number one is the foundation for everything. Number one is the root cause. Whatever your situation is, whatever money drama you have, whether you have nothing or you're a billionaire, because I've coached the spectrums. And by the way, if you think everything's different when you have hundreds of millions and more, not as different as you imagine, Mm -hmm. because human beings are human beings and there's drama. Mm -hmm. If there isn't financial scarcity at that moment, there's the fear of losing it. 
There's the target on your back. There are the relationship woes. So what we want to do is have a great relationship wherever we are in this moment so that we can grow and grow and grow our income. We get to keep it and we get to have awesome relationships too because the monster shows up in lots of ways. The root cause of the money monster is never about money. It's totally counterintuitive, but I've honestly, I've coached thousands of people. And I know this to be true. The root cause of money is never about money. For every coach who says, change your money story, change your life. Good luck if that works for you. I've never seen it work. What it is, is what's behind the money. That's what makes it so sticky and so powerful is money represents love. Mm -hmm. Money represents value, our worth, our worthiness, how we are valued by society. And it represents safety. Our very right to exist hinges on money. People are sacrificed all the time. Poor people are sacrificed all the time as if they don't have value. I, that's a huge hot button issue for me, a huge motivation for what I teach. So love, like our parents were our first experience of money. Did they love us? Did they teach us we were valuable and worthy? Did they keep us safe or not? So when... We start, we want to dig into, we can start with, and I'm telling you just how I coach. It'll look different with every person. I just came back from my money goddess retreat in Mexico. One of my clients, it took like 45 minutes or an hour. The next client took six hours. It takes what it takes. There's no right or wrong to it. But this first step is the biggest piece. So we may start with like money stories or experiences, but the sooner we get off that into anything that ever made you feel unloved, unworthy, or unsafe. It can be the tiniest thing. It can be totally inconsequential, but it feels big for you. So we're just looking for the energy. And when you build up enough, enough feeling of unloved, unworthy, unsafe, from your own life experience, and you can add stuff in the world that makes the world feel unloving and unsafe, and like you want to reject it, don't want to be here. It's like that critical massive ick, by the way, extra credit if you're crying, but it's not necessary. But we want a full body emotional experience, not an intellectual exercise. That's the biggest challenge for me as a coach in this process is getting clients out of their head because we want to pop into our head and analyze it because it, it feels safer than feeling it. But when the feeling is strong enough, then we want to jump to step number two, which is personify, give personhood to the root cause, make it personal. It's just not you and it's not your parents, but it needs to feel like a real person. And maybe it's someone, you know, and maybe it's somebody totally imaginary, but not your parents and not yourself to be a public figure because step number three is you need to obliterate it by any means necessary. And what I found worked way better than breaking up with my monster, which worked for me at the time, but Coaching people, I would say the more violent, bloody, and absolute, the better. And it'll be different for every human being. One person may use a machete, another person may use an atom bomb, and somebody may use like a big bolt of love that just melts the monster like, you know, Raiders of the Lost Ark. Ever it is, you just, you need to keep going until it is all gone and there are no bloody bits that can reconstitute into a money monster zombie. And when it's gone, you'll feel it and it'll feel different than anything you've ever experienced in your life. And you've completed step number three. This is what needs to happen before you meet your money, honey, because you don't want to have both. The money monster will, pardon my language, cock block your money, honey. 
the bed is not big enough. What you get when you have both, it's like, then you have mud and you're stuck where you are. So we, I call this process financial alchemy because alchemy is the transmutation of lead as in lead and human experience into gold, spiritual and material gold. It's different from law of attraction in that nobody is punished for having low vibrations. In fact, it's necessary. Your victim experience, you have it for a reason, is a huge source of power. It is sacred. Use it. Don't stuff it down. The more you can express it and stuff one, the more energy you have for transformation. It's like a slingshot. You want to go as far as you safely can go into the lead, into where you don't want to be, because it's like a slingshot will catapult you where you want to be and it will stick. So if you're in a horrible place right now, it's easier to get to your money monster because it's already present. It's harder to dig when you're feeling neutral. It can be done, but you need a reason to have a monster so bad that there's something to destroy. When you destroy the monster, you say no to the monster. You reject everything that doesn't belong in your life experience. And you're saying yes to yourself like a sacred warrior, you know, whether it is Durga in India or for the guys, you know, Archangel Michael in the West. We have, we have those archetypes. So now we go to step four. We've got this vacuum. It feels like nothing you've ever experienced before. You realize how long you've been living with this monster, maybe longer than your lifetime. And now it's gone. And that creates space for what I call your money, honey. And this person doesn't feel like money. This person feels like love, like a god or goddess of love. Because when you reject everything that was the monster, all that remains is love. So this is a person who loves you and is lovable. And I think I talked a lot about the money, honey, earlier, so we can move on. So you meet your money, honey is step number four. Step number five is you now have a conversation with your money, honey. Mm -hmm. I like the question, what do you need from me so you can stay with me? And then you need to put it into physical action, some kind of concrete measurable action. Step number six, it's the kind of thing where I could call you up next Thursday and say, did you do it? And you could say yes or no. The reason for that is because physical action is magical. It takes it out of the ether and into physical reality. And the action doesn't have to look like it has to do with money. This is where you learn how to have a conversation and negotiate with your money, honey. So I've had many experiences of clients being told to go get a pedicure or a massage or go dancing or stay home and do the laundry or go skating. And they do it and they make ridiculous amounts of money. It's not logical. But it's important because you made a commitment and you kept it. I usually talk either about Lynn or Katie. I'll talk about Katie today. Katie, her money, honey, wanted her to go skating in December in Canada, which is cold. And she had so much debt and so much anxiety that she made that agreement. It was really clear that that, you know, skating money, honey is like beaming. Yes. Okay. But she didn't do it. So day one, nothing changes. Hmm. Day two, she doesn't do it. Nothing changes. She's too busy trying to make money. Day three, she breaks down. She takes her son skating. I think her son was 10 years old at the time. They have this beautiful heart connection. She comes home, receives a phone call that gives her $10,000 without her even asking for it. And that was just the beginning of her new relationship with money. Now she lives in Mexico. 
doing what she really loves, getting paid well, <laughs> living where she wants to live. No more ice skating, I am afraid. <laughs> it's magical. No, I, I love your process and I love that you create it in such a way where it feels so real, right? Like it, it feels like if you can imagine a person, it becomes like almost like a physical thought. And with that, it becomes more, it's not abstract anymore. Which it is- has to be that way. That's why I tell my story first. Otherwise the steps wouldn't be meaningless. I also, I forgot to say this and I really need to say this is that I am cramming in everything I can in the time we have. And 90% of the nuance, you're not even going to be picking up. If you take away five to 10% of what I've said, you're ahead of the game. So I just really want a presence. I don't expect anybody listening to master in 40 minutes, 50, an hour, however long we're talking. I don't expect any of you to master in one hour what I've been doing for over 20 years. But people, I do know that there's a quality to my communication. I put so much like energy into it that it is not uncommon for people to have breakthroughs and transformational experiences when they hear me speak. And I also have a lot of resources available for you. So it's not all like hanging on this one hour. (laughs) You can relax and know that whatever you need is available. Yes, Morgana, which brings me to my next question. Like, what are you up to in the next six to 12 months? Because you're up to some incredible things. Obviously, Uh, you have your retreats and all these things. So walk us into your world of of what's happening. Well, what I'm most excited about, and it's always this, this is my favorite thing in the world, is leading my next ultimate money goddess experience. I just did my 10th one. This is really my top millionaire maker. And I love it because, and sorry guys, it's the one thing that I only do with women and I do it either in Bali or I do it in Mexico because I find when we can take ourselves out of the familiar and into a foreign, faraway place, different culture, it's like a pattern interrupt and it makes it, it makes transformation that much more dramatic and permanent to where every one of the women who have gone on my retreat talk about their lives as before and after the retreat. So that is, that is my favorite thing in the world to do. And it's always really, really tiny because I'm going to coach every woman through the process completely, whether it takes 90 minutes or seven hours, because those are, those are kind of the extremes and women who may have never felt like they really had a supportive sisterhood of kick-ass peers find a non-competitive community of really amazing women who love them, who they love. And very often that's, especially women who are visionaries, they describe themselves as feeling like space aliens. They're never really going to be understood by men and women may not get what they're doing either because it's so ahead or they may feel competitive. So it can be very, very lonely for women being a visionary, even more so than men. So finding a bunch of other space aliens who dig you and get you and are as committed to your breakthrough as they are to their own is a game changer for women. So that's why I do my money goddess retreat. And I'll be doing that in June. It's one week. I think I'm going to limit it this time to six women. The most I've ever taken is eight so that I can work. My promise is total accessibility for a week all the coaching you want, just ask for it. 
on anything, but my promise is we will slay your monster and you will have a money, honey, and you will know it. And it'll be unlike anything you've ever experienced in your life. And if you've already done it successfully, I will take you farther than you can take yourself. So that's my money goddess experience in June, hopefully in Bali, but Mexico is a backup because right now with world events, I can't know. So I'm actually going to book rooms in both (laughs) and see where we end up. And I'm launching a new program in January called my next level ascension, which is only open to the women who have already done the retreat. I decided that instead of missing these women so painfully after it's over, I want to continue working with them. And now they're at a different level because when women first come to the retreat, they're kind of like, oh my God, I hope this isn't a rip off. Oh my God, I hope this works. What have I gotten myself into? I'm far away from home. I've invested all this. After the retreat, they are in such a different place. And I'm not like, you know, the coach, you know, now, now like everybody is in their power. So yes, I am the coach. I am the facilitator, but there's a way in which they show up and they can coach each other and support each other and problem solve with each other in a way that's not appropriate at the goddess retreat, because at that moment they're coming for what I give them. So it's, that is, that's the thing I'm most excited about. That's not open to people who I have, who I haven't already coached through the transformation, either privately or on my goddess retreat. That's what's up. I love it, Morgan. And where can everybody reach you and your amazingness and get your book, Financial Alchemy and all of that? Well, MorganaRay.com, just my name, one word.com is the mothership. Lots of free resources there. I would say a really good place for you to start is there's a quiz on the homepage of MorganaRay.com. You can also reach it on its own URL, doesmoneyloveyou.com. And it's a really quick and easy self-assessment to see where you're strong and where you're challenged and what you need so that I can send you a, a curated recommendation of, oh, this is what I think. This is where you are. This is the good and this is the bad. And this is what I think you should do next. And I always, always, always include something free as an option because I believe transformation must be available at you know all price points. Coaching with me, not. That's why I do this. That's why I have you know products and 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 free stuff and hundreds of articles and videos on my blog. So go to MorganaRay.com. Start with the quiz and a good place to start. Some of you already know. Oh, I want coaching now. Great, great. You can you can apply through my website. But another great place to start is I have my book, Financial Alchemy, 12 Months of Magic and Manifestation, which I designed as a self-coaching system. Mm -hmm. And if you look at Amazon, you will see a ridiculous number of five-star reviews and testimonials and miracles from people I've never met. And one of my favorite clients, Pam, had her first quarter of a million dollar sales month using the workbook before she hired me. Then when she hired me, When her relationship with money got really safe, it became safe for her to marry her now husband, which was my favorite breakthrough of the coaching was one day I got a text with a picture of them and a sign on a beach saying just Maui because they were in Maui, Hawaii. But also she bought the multi-million dollar company that she used to be the salesperson for. Wow. So, but when she started with the book, She was in financial anxiety, didn't have enough, had a bunch of energy and money leaks. 
had that breakthrough, but still had financial anxiety, a bunch of energetic and money leaks, and you know, just knew that she needed help. So she hired me for a year. And now this is where she is. Married and boss lady. I love it. You are such a rock star, Morgana. It is Thank truly you. an honor and a privilege to have you here today and to spread your light and your incredible wisdom and everything. Thank you so, so much for being here. I greatly, greatly appreciate you so, so, so much. Thank you. My pleasure. The only dream that I've been chasing is my own. So that's it for today's episode of Underdog. Head on over to iTunes and subscribe to the show. One lucky listener every single week that posts a review on iTunes will win a chance in the grand prize drawing to win a private VIP day with Pamela herself in Boston, Massachusetts. Be sure to go to theunderdogshow.com and pick up a copy of Pamela's free gift. And join us on the next episode.